Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Let us sing song for the dreaming of the world That we may It's a real treat to welcome John McCutcheon as today's Spirit in Action. John is a prolific musician and performer with over 30 recordings out there, and you will find throughout that his music lifts up values and causes that are to the betterment of all. Whether the topic is corporations or love, war or parenting or the environment or a rubber blubber whale, John McCutcheon weaves together vision delight, humor, insight, and tremendous musical gifts as inspiration for a brighter future. Raised Catholic, he's had a home with Quakers for the past 20 years. Read more about his music and activism at his homepage, folkmusic.com. John McCutcheon joins us today by phone. John, thanks so much for joining me for Spirit in Action. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I don't want to accuse you of anything, but you're out there in Virginia instead of good old Wisconsin where you started from, which is where I am. (laughs) How did you make that transition from Wisconsin out to Virginia? Well, actually, I'm not even in Virginia anymore. Uh, For the last two years, I've been living in Georgia. So how did you get to Georgia from Virginia? Are you just just migrating south constantly? Uh, Looking for the warmer climes, I guess. I left Wisconsin actually for... A couple of years of college in Minnesota, during which time I got bitten by the southern music bug and started playing the banjo, which is the ultimate of cultural denial in the upper Midwest, convinced a college advisor to let me do a three-month field study of banjo music in Appalachia. That was all she wrote. I hitchhiked down here, mostly to eastern Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, Tennessee, mostly coal country. And it was a really important period in the region. It's when the anti-strip mining movement was really getting on its grassroots feet. There was big reform movements going on in the coal miners' union with the Miners for Democracy. And for the first time in my life, I was being used as a musician in things that mattered in people's communities. I I had started off being really moved by music of the civil rights movement. That was my introduction to a world greater than myself. I was 11 years old, and my mother was a woman who answered her pesky eldest son's questions about what was all this stuff on TV with water hoses and dogs and men with flaming crosses. What's this about? It seemed a world away from my northern Wisconsin home. The civil rights movement was that perfect confluence of spirituality, struggle, 
and song, and it all moved me. And when I was this 19, 20-year-old kid, all of a sudden finding myself on the front lines of community struggles and being dependent on in a culture in which artists tend to be viewed as either the elite or the insignificant, here was a place that it mattered if you were a banjo player. There's a limited number of musicians who think that it's good to mix, I don't know when you call it politics, activism, with the art of music. And some of them are the most impressive ones, but there's a lot of people who shy away from it. You didn't feel that kind of hesitation to mix it? Like if I start speaking out on controversial subjects, maybe I'm not going to get any airplay? I wasn't getting any airplay anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I started off feeling as though I was part of a very tiny little corner of the world. But by God, it was my corner of the world. And, you know, if you're involved in folk music, you're really blessed with attentive audiences. You know, if I was a country singer, I'd be playing in smoky bars and doing covers for years before I could ever venture to do something that I might have composed. You know, you still run into it, no matter who or what you are. I mean, Pete Seeger ran into a blacklist, and people, I don't think, remember how high up the popular music ladder he had scaled before he all of a sudden had no work. So, you know, there are people who have paid a much greater price than I, and really, in the grand scheme of things, I have a pretty wonderful job. You know, I show up, even when it's in support of some community organization, and be charming for a couple of hours once a year. And then I leave town, and the hard work of organizing our communities is left to the people who do that on a daily basis and rarely get anything even approaching a standing ovation. The trick, I think, and the challenge to modern progressive patriots is to really name your patriotism for what it is and name alternative views of how this world and this country and our communities and our families can, should, or must be forged is not treasonous. Dissent is not treasonous in a democracy. For instance, there's a song that I wrote shortly after the start of the latest Gulf War, you know, really urging those of us in the progressive community to not cede the symbols of our patriotism to one small sliver of the political spectrum. There was a song that I actually wrote with my friend Barbara Kingsolver, who's a wonderful writer of poetry and, and essays and novels, called Our Flag Was Still There. Well, how about we play that, John? Our Flag Was Still There, and uh, which album is that from? It's from Mightier Than the Sword. Our Flag Was Still There. It's by my guest for today's Spirit in Action, John McCutcheon. I can see it so clear The very first time I'm at a game with my dad And I was eight, maybe nine all rose to our feet Before the ball game could start We took off our caps We put our hands to our hearts It was more than a banner It was more than a song I sang because I believed I sang because I belonged 
sang for all those who dreamed, for all those who dared, who looked to the heights, and our flag was still there. Passing on cars, I see it passing for war. I see it passing for patriotism. We've all seen that before. I've seen it used as a weapon to brand some as wrong. No one has the right. I'll stand up and fight to say I belong. Cause our flag is still there. For all the saints and the sinners, yes, our flag is still there. For all the losers and winners, for those of us who still dream, for those of us who still dare, for the outcast and forgotten, our flag is still there. From Lawrence to Lexington, from Concord to Kent, in Seattle and Selma, we are born of dissent. And on this native ground, blessed by immigrant blood, in that river of freedom, we're all washed in the flood. Because our flag is still there. For all the saints and the sinners, yes, our flag is still there. For all the losers and winners, for those of us who still dream, for those who still dare, for all the lost and forgotten, the flag is still there. Still there, though we might disagree. If you are brave in the land of the free, we have weathered so much, we have traveled so far, we are woven together, we are spangled with stars. Take off our caps, and as we all rise, put our hands to our hearts, and as we lift up our eyes, we begin with a question. We ask, "Oh, say, can you see? Stand and be strong, believe and belong, be brave and be free, because our flag is still there." For all the saints and the sinners, yes, our flag is still there. For all the losers and winners, those of us who still dream, 
those of us who still bear for everyone in this country the flag is still there That was Our Flag Was Still There, John McCutcheons, the artist. I'm very pleased to hear that you did that with Barbara Kingsolver. I just finished her latest book, or one of the latest ones, about her eating local. Animal Vegetable Miracle. Barbara's an old friend, and actually after writing that particular song, and then writing yet another song based on Wendell Berry's writings, I conceived of the idea of doing an entire album of songs co-written with authors, and that's what the theme of the album, Mightier Than the Sword, is. So that, this, that song was sort of the germ that kicked the whole project off. That is an awesome song. You, I think, are active in a number of things. You mentioned about the strip mining. Is environmentalism a big issue for you personally and in terms of your life? You started up, I think, near Wausau, Wisconsin. I did. I did. And I spent a lot of time just outside, as many people who grew up in our great state, did. One of the things, I, in fact, I was talking to my partner about just the other evening is that we have an entire generation of kids who are being handed the mantle of saving the planet from all the shit that we've done to it. And yet, this is a generation that has spent less time outdoors <laughs> than any generation in memory I just don't get the connection between the pure ideology of environmentalism without there being a contact with the natural world. And if we can do anything to fuel the outrage that we should be feeling about the mistakes that have been made and kickstart the action that needs to be done, it is getting people falling in love with the natural world. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republic, or whether you're, you're a capitalist or you're a communist. If you can't drink the water and you can't breathe the air, your kids are going to die. And I come at it from a variety of different angles. For instance, I've toured a lot up in Alaska, and I can assure you no one can see Russia from any point in Alaska. And one of the places I started, my, I've always started my Alaskan tours is in a wonderful little town, Cordova, which is the main fishing town in Prince William Sound. And it was the community that sent the very first rescue efforts out after the Exxon Valdez impaled itself on Bly Reef on Good Friday in 1989. And they were working on the spill individually for three days before the federal government ever showed up. About a week later, the Fishermen's Union, the Cordova District Fishermen United, CDFU, who has sponsored my concerts many times up in Cordova, a great local union, called me and said, we would really, we really need you to come up here. We, we're going to have a thing called Prince William Sound Day, and we just want some music, and everybody wants to hear you. So they flew me up, 
And on the way up, I thought, gosh, there's going to be hundreds of pissed off and really sad people in this room. So what's the best way to handle this? And I thought, you know, there's probably been a great shortage of laughter in this community of late. And they're probably just dying to laugh again. So I put together a song about this whole thing that actually took a rather acerbic, <laughs> humoring, humorous view of the whole situation. I did this 20 years ago, but I have been uh, singing it ever since then, and I have vowed to continue singing it until Exxon, now Exxon Mobil, who just today in the news posted record $14 billion after-tax quarterly profits. As soon as they pony up the first dime of the punitive fine that they were assessed nearly 20 years ago, I'll stop singing this song, but it's had a lot, much longer life than I anticipated. Let's listen to it. The song is Black Sea. John McCutcheon is the artist. Now friends, I know you read about it in the paper. Or perhaps you saw the footage on TV. How the tanker cracked and then the sea ran black. But it's time for some compassion, don't you see? Well, hell, the shipping lane was only ten miles wide. Now you fishermen, you ought to understand. And when the captain asked for one on the rocks, well, the third mate followed his command. We're going to change the name to the Black Sea We're going to turn it to a tourist spot And when we're done we'll give it back to the people of Alaska Just to show what men have wrought And we'll pass along the cost to the ones who lost Cause you know it's the American way Erect a neon sign for the rest of time Brought by Exxon USA Now the government, it was mighty quick on its feet No, they never left a single thing to chance But when it came to pressuring a corporate giant Don't you know they did a brand new dance They said you got your birds and your mammals and your fishing and your families Well, I hope you'll understand the brief delay But you can bet if this had happened off a Kenny Bunkport They'd have cleaned it up the very same day And call it the spill of fortune And maybe you can buy a foul oil pool and the government sings, throws up its hands, throws in the towel. And if we can get the clearance, a special guest appearance will be scheduled by the IRS with a mop and a rake and a big tax break because they're used to working in an awful mess. Now, I don't claim to have all the answers, but you know I got questions by the score. Like who's got the power, who's got the name, who's got the right, and who's got the blame, and who's got the lawyers, and who's got the tax breaks, who's got the damage control, but who's got the homes, and who's got the future, and who's got the troubled soul? So you can skim off the oil like you skim off the profits, but you'll only skim the surface of crime. And when you drive to the pump, watch the gas price jump, and I'm sure you'll understand it all in time. Why up in the land of the midnight sun? You know we're really in an awful fix. It seems their corporate profits and the public good, like oil and water, don't mix. We call it I've Got a Secret, and everyone could guess what's being done. Or maybe we should call it to tell the truth. Now, wouldn't that be a lot of fun? But it's more like Good Morning America, and everyone is waking up to find that feather and fin and fur and skin we're all judged by the bottom line side by side we're gonna turn that tide cause there ain't gonna be a second time
That was Black Sea. John, what is the mixture that you try and strike of humorous versus serious, or do you actually aim in that direction? Because when you're laughing at someone, or maybe laughing with them, it's a different tone to how you're addressing the issues. A lot of times when you have a challenging issue, I'll be honest with you, I am not a big fan of political masturbation. I don't get up there and just flaunt my political correctness. I mean, who cares really what I think? I'm just one citizen. I'm just a banjo player. My whole idea is to get things done. I'm a pragmatic kind of guy. I worked as a community organizer early in my career and have done a lot of organizing, especially of late in the musicians' union, but with community groups wherever I've lived. And the bottom line is not just simply to stake out your territory, but to actually move. That's what a movement is supposed to be doing. There are some musicians who preach to the choir, and every now and again I do that. But for me, the most fertile and the most challenging turf on which to stake my claim is that middle ground where people might and do disagree with one another. Humor, I have found, is a great disarmament tool. People who disagree with one another can laugh at something together if it's cleverly done. They can even laugh at something that they might intellectually disagree with. But the whole point of humor is surprise. That's what makes things funny. You're you're being presented with something in a way that's unexpected. Then it's catalytic then it's easier to get people laugh. It's like going to, if you've ever been to a comedy club, you know, someone can tell the lamest joke 30 minutes into their routine, and it seems funny when in and of itself it's not. So I've used humor a lot, maybe, maybe too much sometimes, in hopes of getting people to see things across previously conceived or perhaps misconceived partisan lines. I'm not interested in, in, in partisan stuff. I'm interested in common ground. And there's all too, too little of it these days. And, and we, we tend to think in really big terms, like we have to save the world this weekend. When in truth, you know, one of the things of being a part of traditional communities and traveling around the world to nations that are far, far older than we are and have a lot longer scope of history with which to look, they, are, they tend to have a, a, then a, an equally longer scope of looking into the future. And I keep being reminded time and time again that we are not called upon to do great things, but we are called upon to do small things greatly. It's why my favorite song is the old union anthem that I learned from Nimrod Workman back in 1973. And to me, it's the perfect song. It's a four-line song. It says everything it needs to say. And I figure if I can ever write a song that says everything it needs to say, four lines, then I'll, I'll consider myself a songwriter. Step by step along this march, can be one, can be one. Many stones can form an arch, singly none, singly none. And by union, what we will can be accomplished still. Drops of water turn a mill. Singly none, singly none. Step by step. 
That was Step by Step, John McCutcheon playing it. But who did you say you learned that from, John? Nimrod Workman. Nimrod Workman was a retired coal miner from Mingo County, West Virginia. I met Nimrod when he was, oh gosh, 74, I guess. I met him at a, at a gathering of regional political artists at the Highlander Center in East Tennessee. Boy, he, more than maybe anybody I've ever met, really knocked my hat in the creek, as they say in that part of the world. He had worked with Mother Jones and John L. Lewis to bring United Mine Workers into the state of West Virginia, fought in the Battle of Blair Mountain, the first time the aerial bombing was ever used, was against West Virginia coal miners in the Battle of Blair Mountain, and, and Nimrod was there. He was a great friend and a great teacher of mine, a seemingly endless repository of a combination of wisdom, experience, and bullshit. <laughs> a, yep. great, a great combination in any, anyone, as far as I can tell. <laughs> I, one I aspire to. Like Utah Phillips. Utah Phillips was the next generation's Nimrod Workman. And I don't know who it's up to now. Well, there's an awful lot of inspirational people. You must meet them every year. Sometimes you put them into your songs. There's one song I like of yours about a young Native American woman. How did that song come about into your... Did you actually see her, or do you just receive that one word of mouth? No, Sue Ann Big Crow is a legendary figure among Native American communities. She was an Oglala Sioux uh, from the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota and was the most storied athlete, male or female, to ever come out of the reservation. And her dream was to lead the Lady Thorpes, her high school basketball team, to the state championship thereby making it the first Native American team to ever win a state championship in any sport in any state. In 1991, her senior year, she scored the winning basket as time ran out in the state championship game, thus fulfilling her dream. I heard about Sue Ann's story from a variety of sources, mostly Native American friends of mine, especially storytellers. But it was not about her winning the state championship game. Uh, Sue Ann regrettably died in a car accident a year after she graduated from high school. And, in fact, the Boys and Girls Club on the Pine Ridge Reservation is named in her honor. But the story that captured my attention happened uh, four years earlier when she was a freshman on the same team. And it was such a remarkable story. One of the things I've always done with my writing is whether it be the story of the 1914 Christmas Eve truce that turned into Christmas in the Trenches, or the story of the cellist of Sarajevo, Vedran Smelovec, that turned into a song and now a children's picture book called Streets of Sarajevo, is take these unique, amazing stories that you may just catch if you're paying attention in one of the back pages of the New York Times breathe new life into it in the form of a song that can be sung and audiences that may have never heard the song get to hear the story. I mean, never heard the story get to hear it via the songs. But the story of Sue and Big Crow and what she did when she was a mere 14-year-old freshman is one of the most 
inspiring stories I've ever heard. I am Sue and Big Crow. I am 14 years old here on the Pine Ridge Reservation. I play for the Lady Thorpes, but that night on the court, I was the old Lala Nation. I prepared for this moment before I was born by Chief Big Crow of Sands Ark, Lakota. I am of his line, but the moment was mine the night we played in Leeds, South Dakota. I was the first one through the door, the first one on the floor. The lead fans exploded like a bomb. The fake Indian war whoops, the curses, the shouts and hoots. I felt my racing heart grow still and calm. The ball fell from my hands as I faced the seething stands. My warm-up jacket. Draped across my shoulder I danced the shawl dance I sang the sacred chants And in their silence I felt ages older And I danced Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this real? We have danced this for these countless years Before you left Europe Before wounded knees the long trail of tears This land is an ideal Nothing here is real until someone ventures an act For all and for free Until we finally see if freedom is fiction or fact I am Sue and Big Crow I am 14 years old Here on the Pine Ridge Reservation I play for the Lady Thorpes That night on the court I was the old Lala Nation I play for the Lady Thorpes That night on the court I was the old Lala Nation That was Suen Big Crow, inspirational person. And they're just all over the place, aren't they? It's like the year that Jackie Robinson, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Jackie Robinson integrating the white major leagues in 1997. And every writer that I knew wrote a song about Jackie Robinson. And I was, at the same time, hired to do a commencement speech at a small North Carolina university. And I thought, well, I want to talk to him, I want to sing to him, and what do I say to these young kids as I'm you know, 
as they're kicking them out the door and onto their lives. And I thought, you know, the, the heroes that we have, the really iconic figures, whether they be Jackie Robinson or Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa, are so iconic that we cannot imagine giving our entire lives over to something. And it, it makes these heroes almost unreal to us, as though, yes, it's wonderful, we like those people, but, you know, I believe in Martin Luther King, but, uh, but no, I think we ought to go to war. You know, we miss the meat of what it was they were living about. But there are smaller players in these dramas that we can latch on to. I ended up writing a song called Cross That Line about the relationship between Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese, who was his teammate on the Brooklyn Dodgers, who in hundreds of everyday ways stood up to racism. Uh, and he had grown up with racism. He was himself in many ways before he met Jackie Robinson a racist. But it was the personal contact with someone that caused him to stand up in very public ways and defend Jackie Robinson. So it's the same with Sue Ann Big Crow or with Vedran Smalovic or with Sarah Tikulski, the girl who you know blew her knee out in her last softball game in college after she hit a home run and she had to complete the round of the bases. And the rules said that your teammates cannot help you, so her opponents picked her up and carried her around so she could touch every base. Maybe we as individuals can't imagine being a Jackie Robinson or a Mother Teresa, but every single day we have an opportunity to be a Pee Wee Reese or be a Mallory Holtman, the girl who carried Sarah Tikulski around the bases, or a Sue Ann Big Crow who can stand up in the face of ugliness and hatred and violence and respond to it with an act of utter beauty. You know, darkness is not going to drive out the darkness. Only light drives out the darkness. Amen. Definitely. I'm curious. I mean, like me, I know that you grew up Catholic, and certainly your mother was inspirational, influential for you. Oh, yeah. Did you stay with that all along as a Catholicism? I mean, there's the whole Catholic worker movement, which includes a number of really very inspirational people. Oh, yeah. How long did you travel that path? I traveled that path really until I went south and I was living. It was a very different kind of religious and or spiritual community that I all of a sudden entered into. It was very fundamental. It was John 3.16, or damnation. And growing up Catholic, there was no salvation without good deeds. And not only did I not find that kind of community that was like my own, I found other kinds of spiritual communities that were very, you know, invigorating. I mean, the music that I heard in the little southern churches was, you know, moved me in ways that nothing at, at my little parish Sunday high masses ever approached. But it was a, an entirely different way of thinking about your spiritual life. And there also were hardly any Catholics, and there were no Catholic churches where I lived. And, in fact, it was the first time I really came in contact with uh, anti-Catholic prejudice. So when I finally moved to a place where 
there was a Catholic church when I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia with my family in 1986. I actually ended up gravitating toward the Quakers and have been a Quaker for the last, oh, 20 plus years now. But, you know, my friend Kate Clinton has often said, you, you know, you're never, you're never not a Catholic. You may be a recovering Catholic. <laughs> but the kind of things that were instilled in you, both good and bad, as with any religion, are still a part of who you are. You know, one of the things that I miss, and I feel like to some degree I get from the Quaker meeting of worship, is some of the experience that I had at Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass, I miss. Yeah. Oh, you can still go, though. You know, Religion really is a man-made construct. It was human beings who created religions. I remember hearing a quote from uh, a Native American elder that said, religion is for people who are afraid of hell, and spirituality is for people who have been there. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're out of there. <laughs> I know you're working with some limited time, so I think there are a couple more songs we want to get in for this Spirit in Action. Great. I just want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Spirit in Action. I'm Mark Helpsmeet of Northern Spirit Radio, and we're visiting today with John McCutcheon, and he's down there in Georgia somewhere. I haven't been there much, but I guess I'll have to come down and visit. Where would you like to go next on this musical travel through your activism? Well, as long as we're in Georgia, why don't we take just a brief stop down at Fort Benning? The weekend before Thanksgiving... How appropriate is this? Every year, there is a what is now an enormous gathering in protest of the School of the Americas that happens uh, at Fort Benning, and hundreds of people, including many, many religious people. Father Roy Bourgeois began the protest many years ago. This is a place that um, has trained over the years many military and intelligence leaders in Latin American, especially Central American countries, how to do unspeakable things to their populations to maintain control. You know, those things are no longer secrets to anyone who's paid any attention over the last 25 years to the atrocities that have gone on in places like El Salvador and in Nicaragua and in Guatemala and, and South American countries, Colombia most recently. And it's our tax dollars paying for this and training these people. So there is a, uh, a gathering of tens of tens of thousands of people. Music has been a really important part of that, and I've been quite honored that a song that I wrote back in 1983 or 84 at the height of the Salvadoran Civil War called No Mas has been picked up, and as often happens with the evolution of songs, words have been changed around to adapt it to modern times, and it's one of the uh, many songs that sung a lot during the protests every November. It's called No Mouth, No More. It's snowing in the valley. Ice chokes the river's mouth. But the air is still and silent in the mountains to the south. And here the fire in the cook stove drives the winter's chill away. While the silent southern sentries pass the watchful hours till day. And from the mountains of Virginia to the hills of Salvador, the mothers and the fathers send their children off to war And the hand that drove the plow is on the trigger in the night Killing other sons and daughters fighting someone else's fight 
No more. Are you actually a Spanish speaker, John? I guess to get one phrase out like no mas, it's not really a great challenge. <laughs> I, I took Spanish when I was in high school and a little bit in college. In fact, I went in to college as a double major in social work in Spanish. And I'm a part of a big extended Cuban family here in the Atlanta area. Love brought me from Virginia to Georgia. And I can get by. I certainly wouldn't uh, consider myself fluent, uh, but as my youngest son, who is fluent, said to me once, my dad isn't fluent, but he's fearless. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's an excellent quality to have. <laughs> uh, you're also fearless when you're doing your humorous songs. I, I, I know we're getting very short on time. I think we need to do one of your very funny songs. Which one would you like to jump into? How about Not Me? After eight years of the last administration, it seems amazing to say the last administration, uh, and uh, one that was you know, built on the, on the twin pillars of personal responsibility and supposed honesty, and yet they were unable to ever admit a mistake, I thought things have really gotten turned on their heads compared to what we teach our children. And so I was doing a workshop at a festival on uh, political children's songs, and I thought, hmm, all of my, you know, what's, what's a political song and what's not a political song? I don't buy the whole protest singer label. Sounds too much like some guy standing on a street corner screaming. Rather, when I'm playing a fiddle tune or singing a song like Step by Step or singing a love song, it all is a part of a vision of the world that I want to see happen, and that's political work as far as I'm concerned. So. All the kids' songs, in some way, that I've ever written, I think are political. But to, be, to sort of follow the rules of the workshop, I, I tried to tie it together with some other contemporary stuff. So, uh, you know, it's not me. Back when I was just a kid, no matter what you did, if you screwed up, you stepped forward and you took the blame. No matter where the chips would fall, you'd stand up tall and bravely raise your hand and say your name. Oh, you took your lumps, you weathered all the bumps, and you paid whatever price there was to pay. Were these lessons all for naught? Cause these days if you get caught without a hint of shame, here's what you say. Not me, not me, 
It's somebody else's fault, can't you see? In the present atmosphere, it's absolutely clear that the buck stops miles from here. score for you get into a war and we're asked to risk our money and our youth before we mount the task it seems reasonable to ask if your info is conclusive or at least the truth and when your reasons all go bust and you violate our trust we know we've all been down that road before no hint to shame upon your face contrition not a trace no you'll never hear i'm sorry anymore not me not me It's somebody else's fault, can't you see? In the present atmosphere, it's absolutely clear that the buck stops miles from here. If you lie or if you cheat, better not admit defeat, though you're caught with your fingers in the jar. It'll only show you're weak if you're penitent or meek, and those virtues just won't get you very far. Cause in this world today, atonement is passe, and everything I've seen in life confirms. Cross your fingers, turn your back Let some sucker take the flack Cause honesty is just a can of worms If you're poor and on the dole Learn a little self-control And understand you are the reason for your fate down you lazy slob quit complaining get a job and girls get married but only if you're straight but if you help to lead the nation or you run a corporation you are governed by a different set of rules just deny and obfuscate deflect and fabricate cause responsibility is just for fools and not me not me It's somebody else's fault, can't you see? In the present atmosphere, it's absolutely clear that the buck stops miles from here. Not me, not me. It's somebody else's fault, can't you see? Stomp your foot and tear your hair. Ask me if I care, because the buck stops nowhere. That was not me. Who was that if it's not you? It was probably John McCutcheon. That's who it was, that's I think. That's a safe bet today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that's where the buck stops. It stops right with John McCutcheon, and it's miles from here. It's, it's down in Georgia. I'm John McCutcheon, and I approve that song. <laughs> well, I think we better conclude here with just one more song. And would you like to pick one out of your... Uh, how many albums is it now that you have? How many recordings do you have out there, John? Over 30. Too many, probably. If you can't name the number of recordings you put out there, does this put you in parallel with a certain presidential candidate right at the moment? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember how many, uh, how many albums I own. Well, I think a good way to tie this up would maybe be with another song that has proved to be pretty useful. You know, in this life, we hope for many things and and for me it was best articulated by my friend charlie king who during a political song workshop said the most profoundly political work that he's been doing has been going down to the local hospice and singing at bedsides and he said i've never felt more useful 
and you think, well, that's really what it's about. Back to those earliest days when my mother would chide me. That's, well, it's great, John, that you're getting up and getting all these people to clap for you every five minutes. Who has a job like that? But what are you doing this for? This has to be about more than just you. When the anti-war movement picked up my song, Not In My Name, it's a song that I think fulfills the twin desires that most people, most citizens feel. They want to do something individually, and they want to do something as part of a group. And here you are as a part of a group of maybe thousands stating your own manifesto that, that what you are doing is not in my name. And by that collective act, you are saying not in our name. So it's, it seems like an appropriate way to close this conversation. Let's do that with John McCutcheon's song, Not In My Name. See the plane in the distance See the flame in the sky See the young ones running for cover The old ones wondering why They tell us that the world is a dangerous place We live in a terrible time but in Hiroshima, New York, or in Baghdad It's the innocent to die for the crime Not in my name Not in my name Not in my name Not in my name Witnesses watch through the window Their hearts locked in horror and pain Man lying strapped to a gurney As the poison is pumped through his veins And I'm wondering who are the prisoners Who holds the lock and the key Who has the power over life, over death When will we finally be free? Not in my name Not in my name No. 
Some song, Not In My Name. I have to say, John, that one of the reasons that song is among my very favorite is the wonderful way that you reached into what some people consider a political issue or a lifestyle issue or something, but you said, where's the divine in this? And, uh, you know, that's a touchy thing because a lot of people say, you know, you can't talk to me about three-letter words like God or anything like that. I think you did it with amazing taste in that song. Well, thank you. So, John, I'm just hoping we can have you back and share a song of the soul. Can we arrange that in the future sometime? I would love that. And one other thing I want to make sure is fine with you. I, I like to get your music out there to people. So for Spirit in Action, very frequently I'll throw in a song that's thematic with whoever I'm speaking with. Is it okay if I include in some of your songs, just expose John McCutcheon to more of the world? (laughs) I'm happy to expose myself. (laughs) I just want to thank you so much for taking the time, John, keeping up the work. I assume you're touring a fair amount right now with the election coming up. Are you speaking out that way? I was just up with my friends Holly Near and Emma's Revolution and uh, Laura Love and Roy Zimmerman and many others barnstorming around Ohio for about a nine-day stretch in the hopes of getting out the vote and supporting the Obama campaign. And before we sign off, I want to mention that you have... Did you have to invest really big money to buy the domain name that you got? I mean, to be personified folk music. Folkmusic.com is your domain name, right? No, nobody had it, you know. I mean, I got it about 10 years ago, but it just goes to show you what a small blip in cyberspace folk music really is. I have been offered hundreds of dollars for that domain name. So thanks again, John, so much for taking time and keep up the good work. You too. Thanks a lot, Mark. That was my guest for today's Spirit in Action, John McCutcheon, joining us from his home in Georgia. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit.
May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every song, we will move this world Oh